Welcome everybody to Up Next with AJ. This is our next episode. I believe we're at episode nine. And today I have the wonderful Logan Crowell here with us. Say hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yes, no problem. Thanks for joining us. Um, backstory behind this interview. I work for a real estate company and they have asked us to interview an outstanding leader in our community for a leadership training. And uh, immediately once they announced this assignment, I thought of Logan. Uh, he is the founder of Helping Our Music Evolve, which is a wonderful facility here in East Nashville. And Logan, tell us a little bit more about this organization. Sure. So we are a nonprofit trade organization designed to build businesses for people in the music industry. So in, at its core, we're really a, a business incubator and the facility is where we do that and how we do that. Uh, but I like to think that there's a whole lot more under the surface than just a facility. We're a community. And so one of the, one of the uh, phrases that we kind of coined for home is a production community heavily focused on artist development and music production, uh, but we also have a lot of great ways that music industry folks can interact with us as well. And ultimately it all hinges on entrepreneurship. That's the uh, meat and potatoes of what we do here is we help people think like entrepreneurs and then we give them a ton of tools, resources, facilities, uh, where they can create content, they can record music, they can rehearse, they can have events and shows. We're having a networking hang tonight. We do music business workshops. All the um, things that you would need in an environment to make it very conducive to someone's growth within the music industry. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I can attribute home to basically every single connection I've made <laughs> in Nashville Beautiful. <laughs> since I moved here. And that's part of the reason why I, I think what you've done is uh, so symbolic of leadership because it takes a lot to bring together a community in such a heavily musical city mm -hmm. and create a space where it doesn't feel like necessarily competition right but more of support and and growth uh so before we dive into the you know nitty gritties of all of that tell us a little bit more about you you know where where do you come from what did you do before this what's got you in nashville sure <laughs> so um, let's see, I'm now 38 years old, and I was, I kind of did a lot of stuff prior to my um, current role, but somewhere along the line I became a music freak. Um, I started doing a lot of live shows whenever I was a teenager, I used to follow jam bands and stuff like that, um, with a lot of raves, and it was just like really just all in on, on music and the culture around music, especially live music. And along the way, I started learning to play music as well. 
at first started with drums and percussion and then later on got into songwriting and playing guitar and, and piano and um, trying to sing and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that really was a turning point for me because I began to develop this uh, sense of purpose about it and I was simultaneously diving into like personal development stuff, um, reading a ton of what they would call like self-help books. Um, I had made some bad decisions in my life and kind of ended up in, in a place and in, in a situation where um, I knew that I had just messed up my life pretty bad and, and you know, that I it was time to make a change, kind of like a rock bottom sort of place, right? Where I was mm -hmm. like, man, I, I have to change who I am fundamentally. And so I began doing a lot of things, uh, meditating and doing yoga and working out and just like soaking up all this, all the knowledge that I could get that was this personal development, self-help kind of stuff, spirituality uh, type stuff. And that was simultaneous with me starting to write a lot of music. Mm. And so all of a sudden it materialized that my purpose was to do music. Is mm -hmm. the, way, the only way I could conceptualize it at that point in time. I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, but then I started trying. You know, I started booking gigs. At, um, and at this point I'm living in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay. And so I'm trying to, you know, book gigs and make a living playing music and figure out how to release music and how to market myself and brand myself and all these things. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is all so hard. And I feel like I'm a pretty smart guy. And I knew that if I was struggling so much with it, I was like, there's just countless other people out there struggling with it. Mm. So that ended up factoring into my decision down the line to do home. But First, I decided that I just needed to learn about the music business. And so what brought me to Belmont, or I mean, excuse me, to Nashville was uh, the Belmont University. Okay. I found out I could do what's called the adult degree program there. And then I could, I had almost finished a degree in international finance, but I had dropped out of school and um, again, wasn't making the best decisions in my life for, for a while and found out I could go back to school and finish my degree at Belmont doing their music business uh, program and kind of with a focus on audio, which is what I really wanted to do. I wanted to learn how to produce and I wanted to learn the business side. Mm. I knew how to play the instruments. I thought I knew how to write songs. I thought I was a great performer, all that. And you think those things till you get to Nashville, right? And you're, <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, the talent here is insane. Um, but you know, I was big fish, small pond syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really what brought me out here, and, um, that and, and going back to school at, at you know at Belmont, and so I had three semesters basically. I, I started in fall of 2015, and then uh, I graduated at the end of the fall semester in 2016. So okay, um, it wasn't on the traditional path because I had already completed so much school, but finished my degree out there and got a ton of connections and really it was after my first semesters in january of 2016 whenever i had the idea to do home and I basically became obsessed with it because it tied in my uh, my like 
insatiable thirst for knowledge and like learning I'm real you know especially once I got my head on straight I was just like man just devouring books and learning everything I could did really well in school and and I saw also at Belmont where there they have these things convocations where if you're paying to go to Belmont which you know is pretty darn expensive not going to be an opportunity everybody has but you, one of the amazing things they do is they have these convocations where they bring a lot of industry professionals in just to talk to you about what they mm-hmm. do, have different presentations, different topics that they talk about, and they give you a glimpse into what it's really like um, to do the music industry on a day-to-day basis in a, you know, whatever capacity or role that you could think of. And I was like, man, I'll bet if these people are... are you know, chomping at the bit to come over here and talk to students, I bet they would be willing to talk to the homies. You know, this is before Mm. I really understood what that would look like, but I was conceptualizing this idea of a music community, basically. Mm -hmm. And why didn't Nashville have a music community? I thought that was very strange. I was like, you know, with all the technology, you got access control, you got booking systems and everything else. And if I want to get a studio, you know, this is pre-home, I wanted to get a studio, I either am going to like link up with somebody who has a studio in their bedroom or basement, or I've got to pay for at least a half a day or a full day at a studio and go, you know, four or five hundred or more dollars out of pocket to go in and record. Mm-hmm. So I was like, why isn't there something in the middle of that that's not the, you know, home <laughs> studio, but it's not the Ocean Way or Blackbird studio either. It just makes sense for people to use it constantly whenever they need to to do all the projects essentially mm-hmm. like basic infrastructure for uh, music creators and content creators and so these things all kind of coalesced in my mind it was like this education and then the community building and then this idea of having facility type infrastructure and I was like man what if that could all be done together as some nonprofit? Mm-hmm. um in like a sharing model where the pricing more reflects what it costs to share a million dollar facility and not to book a day (laughs) at a million dollar facility if that makes sense right so that's I like I said I became obsessed with that idea and nurtured it and nurtured it and figured out how to pull it together that's awesome (laughs) yeah it is awesome it's amazing (laughs) It's, I still can't believe it. Most days when I wake up, I'm like, wow, what do I get to do for a living? You know, it's right. It's like I'm living proof. You can literally think of anything in terms of, you know, what your true, what you feel like your purpose is. Like I said, it brought mm-hmm. together the parts of me that love education, love personal development, mm-hmm. love making music, love producing music. At that time, I was even throwing events and stuff. I've actually been throwing parties since I was a teenager. <laughs> so I was like, wow, I get to do all this stuff <laughs> together, you know? So Incorporate all parts of, yeah. all your strengths yeah. in one. Exactly, yeah. Well, The embodiment of like who I am, basically, but I get to help other people through that, you know, in a major way. Right. Which is amazing. It's, it's the most fulfilling thing I could ever imagine. It's been crazy stressful at times, mm-hmm. especially during the pandemic and stuff. But I mean, like, I wouldn't trade it for things. Yeah, yeah, and I, I guess that definitely answers the question of when did you first see yourself as a leader, 
I would say from where I'm sitting, it wasn't necessarily a, a moment, but more that progression of, you know, realizing that, hey, we're missing this thing in Nashville. I've come this far with my own experience. I know how hard it is to be on the artist side, mm-hmm. musician side, and I'm also, I know the, the business side of music, mm-hmm. and there needs to be some sort of meeting in the middle, because um, I agree, it's thinking about recording a song here, <laughs> if I didn't have home, uh-huh. it's, it is that, it's just, it's either someone's basement, or it's Music Row, and yeah. it's $5,000. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For the whole thing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing we can, we have this new paradigm now. Um, and I appreciate you sharing it. I mean, to touch quickly on, on leadership, um, I always thought of myself as a leader because I was like, I'm not a follower, I'm a leader. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, having done a lot of the, of like the mindset type work that it takes to accomplish a, bit, a really, really big goal, Mm-hmm. that was a strength but I, I would still say it wouldn't like I, that's what I thought of leadership as like willing to take chances go out there with a vision show people what's possible and that is an aspect of leadership but it wasn't until we actually had members mm-hmm. and I was responsible for delivering consistent value and setting the culture and the tone of the organization and being an example of what an excellent business leader looks like so that I could teach others to be excellent business leaders, that's when it got real. Mm-hmm. And that's when I've started kind of understanding servant leadership is that true leadership is that you are serving those who you are leading. It's not like, mm. let me show you the way. Here you go. This is how you do it. <laughs> it's like... It is literally service. It is, you know, mm-hmm. you become, you know, a servant in the process uh, of, of once you have the community or the team or whoever that you're leading, you're, you are serving them. If you're not, then you're not doing it right. And chances of you keeping them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is, are pretty slim. So. Right, right. And in serving people, what would you say have been some of your biggest challenges throughout that process of, you know, kind of learning that that's the best way to lead and, you know, home is pretty new. So it's been, Mm. I'm sure you've been learning a lot and facing lots of challenges as a leader, but what are some of the biggest ones that you've, you've faced? Yeah. I think that's a two part question because there's, you know, the challenges of leadership in general and then there's like the challenges of doing home specific and like what that entails um first of all with leadership the biggest challenge in in my opinion is communication Mm -hmm. and then the second biggest challenge would be mindset and overcoming people's um, or helping people overcome their own limiting beliefs um, that's a it's a huge one that I've encountered over and over again where you know people think that what's holding them back is they don't have a budget well that's a limiting belief in itself mm-hmm. that's not what's holding you back there's plenty of people out there with lots of money that they want to invest in stuff that they believe is going to be successful your challenge is, is convincing a whole bunch of other people that you're the thing to invest in right mm-hmm. or coming up with a different revenue stream that where you don't you're not dependent on an outside investor 
that's just one example, but it's one of the very common ones that I see or thinking that they need to get discovered, right? That's mm-hmm. another really, really poor way to think about um, yourself. And, and it's like, I tell people, discover yourself, discover what you're worth mm. and then make that happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And there, a lot of this has to do with just the way the music business is set up in the first place, but really the majority of it is just people, you know, human beings and the trauma that we went through when we were children and the environment that we've been around, whether we were in a, a an empowering environment or, or a restrictive environment and whether we were ever taught the sort of fixed versus growth mindset. A lot of people have this fixed mindset where they think, well, how could I accomplish that? And it's like, well, you can't right now. You become the type of person that can accomplish that though. Mm. and that's a right. totally different way of thinking about it it's mm-hmm. it's way more powerful to go wow <laughs> I can become that person though you know I might not be Beyonce today you know <laughs> if that's your goal to be that level of town or that level of megastar just general powerhouse that she is right mm-hmm. um, but you know how did she become Beyonce yeah right a lot of hours, a lot of work. Yes, there's a ton of talent packed into that too, and and that is a factor. But I guarantee you, if you put in the level of work and hours that 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 woman's put in, I don't even know why I picked her, but you can you can think about this, in, you know, in terms of a lot of different artists, mm-hmm. where people go, oh, it's like she magically became that, or you know, mm-hmm. one day it was just she was just fully formed Beyonce, and it's like no, all the work <laughs> her butt off. You know, and mm-hmm. so people will negate the the hard work that goes into actually executing what they need to do, and instead they find excuses that they mm-hmm. can't do something, and that's just the most commonplace thing that I've seen. And as a leader, you essentially have to one learn to pick those things out, two learn to help people over those barriers in a kind of soft way because a lot of times they don't they're not trying to hear that that it's Mm. all up to them and that the only (laughs) thing holding them back is themselves you know right um and then you know i would say on top of that um it's like understanding when the person's not ready to overcome that challenge when they're stuck in a pattern mm. so people get in, in patterns and they have a you know things holding them back and they have self-destruct mechanisms and and all this and it's in all areas of our lives not just in the career and our personal lives relationships everything else where people end up in patterns you know either they just end up keep end up with a crappy relationship right or they keep mm-hmm. it up and there's underlying beliefs that are causing all these things I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not able to do mm. this, you know, I really don't have what it takes, and, and like, that is legitimately the thing holding them back, but sometimes they're just not ready, timing is, is kind of everything when it comes to to making change or transformation in our lives, it's like, if we're not ready to, to see it and commit to it, then we'll just keep hiding from it. Yeah. We'll do what I call the hamster wheel, where it's like you wake up and you get real busy and you, you're super busy. And this is one of the reasons why I never use the word busy. Um, 
I say active or productive, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, or on a mission. I might even say slammed one day, but but busy, it's like you can just be busy and not actually have a, a really clear path of, of what you're doing, how you're going to get there, what you're trying to achieve and all that. And, mm-hmm. and so we, it makes us feel better that, oh man, I did so many things today. And it's right. like, did you go anywhere? Or were you just on the hamster wheel just running? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> still in the same spot, you know. Right. So those right. are those are the big challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, with home, it's it's been mainly communication, um, in terms of leadership, mainly communication and just setting the culture to where there's a level of conscious and uh, consciousness and conscientiousness for people, um, so that they just inherently choose to do the right thing because we give our members a lot of trust. We give them a key card to a million dollar facility and 24-7 access to come in when, when there's no staff here and yeah all these different things and so you know that's been a challenge uh but one that culture solves actually is the, the solution it's not rules it's like mm-hmm. it's setting the right tone and the right culture so that you know the, the bad apples just kind of weed themselves out fairly quickly yeah i was gonna say maybe there's a tie between the people who aren't ready now isn't the time mm-hmm. maybe you see that in those members who maybe don't respect the space or respect what the culture here is about and they either yeah. decide to absolutely. drop out when well when people have like negative patterns like that it, it absolutely reflects some sort of you know limiting belief that they have or some identity that they formed about themselves that they don't even know that they have or an addiction, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. these are, you know, that's absolutely the case. Um, but, you know, I guess the difference is like if somebody has a pattern that they're falling into, it doesn't necessarily mean that they need to quit or that they need to, you know, sometimes it's just, just being patient. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's what it is. Yeah. And just giving people space and leading by example. And then, mm. you know, when they kind of make the decision on their own or they get influenced by enough good people around them or something else, but it's like, that's not something you can necessarily coax into happening as a leader. Like right. You have to be aware of the fact that, okay, I'm about to drop a big bomb on this person and tell them how, you know, it's their fault that they're, you know, not getting where they want to be in life and are they really ready to hear something like that, you know? Right. Is that, is that going to help them right now? Mm-hmm. Are they in too bad of a headspace? And we just need to say, man, it's all going to be good, brother. We got you. We're mm-hmm. a community. Everything's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. You know? Just, like, feeling out the situation and mm-hmm. and the person. Yeah. Which, mm-hmm. yeah, and I would say that goes to show how, how much you pay attention to the members themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what does each person that you are quote-unquote leading what are they trying to get out of home what are they what are their goals as an artist what are their if you can tell or if they told you what are their limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. you know or or their the things that they're struggling with yeah it's hard (laughs) because you don't know what you don't know if they knew and they were very cognizant of the fact that they had those limiting beliefs if they were in those patterns then they would either try to hide from it more or they would do something about it, you know? And mm-hmm. so, 
really what we try to do is build systems. You know, we try to think, okay, because our goal is to scale this thing and to make it a home for music creators everywhere, where it's not mm-hmm. just in Nashville, but it's, you know, music creators anywhere have access to the tools, resources, and support systems they need to bring their vision alive and to, you know, if, if in fact they have the level of talent and work ethic they need, then to create a sustainable business out of it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's amazing that I can focus so much on you guys right now, but is that realistic long term if we have thousands of members? You know, I don't know. Depends on a lot of different factors. But right. again, it's like if we put systems in place that naturally push you guys to taking the right actions and creating the type of behaviors in your life, you know, here's a good thing to think about. I heard it said one time from a uh, an author and, and like, you know, personal development expert. His name's uh, Brendan Burchard, so shout out there. Um, he said in an interview that if you're not getting what you want out of life, you can blame it on one of three things. Your thoughts, your behaviors, or your environment. Mm, so okay. home is the environment. It's the ultimate environment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we can hack... We can incentivize you to make the right behaviors happen. Mm. But what I've been talking about here is the thoughts part. Yeah. Right? Because if the, if the, we call it stinking thinking, right? If that's <laughs> present, then the it's going to naturally influence your behaviors. Mm-hmm. And then your environment, even if you're in a great environment, can still not necessarily work for you because the behaviors aren't there. Mm-hmm. It can give you cues and it can support you and all of that but if you're not taking the behaviors then ultimately you probably won't get to where you want to go your, right. your success is literally stacked on a whole bunch of actions that you've taken right mm-hmm. so the thoughts right that's that's the tricky part that's the hardest part mm-hmm. where we like to be is like again the ultimate environment we figure out ways to incentivize or, or, or hack behaviors to where it's like clear the behaviors that need to be taken to where you're not just clueless about what to do, right? Right. But then the thoughts part, you know, it's really, I try to address it in the culture, so we have that big cultural statement. There's a lot of kind of mindset stuff packed into that, the one that's over the, the front desk mm. called mm-hmm. the homies alignment, so it might be something to take a look at. Um, but realistically, you know, we're not here to be your mindset coach. I personally love that stuff, but, you know, is that a component of what home does? Maybe. I mean, it's like in the Teamwork Wednesdays thing, I think you guys get a good dose of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll work on that, but it's, that's, again, that's one of those ones where it's like, man, no matter what the behaviors and the environment that you put forward, you know, if the thoughts are, are wrong and people self-sabotage, it's really wild to watch it happen to where they'll just like, you know, have a full kind of breakdown over the course of, you know, a few weeks or a month or something and you have a huge setback and it's stuff that if you're looking from the outside was was precipitated by them yeah. for the most part. Right, um, right. Know. Would you say that sometimes those situations do lead to kind of like what you were saying earlier about timing 
after maybe something like that happens, would you see that as an opportunity for you to step in and say, hey, you know, it's okay, that happened, you're, you know, you had a setback, but let's take a look at your mindset and where you are with that now, now that you've kind of, because sometimes I feel like you have to flush out some bad stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just inevitably kind of get sick and tired of being sick and tired, as they right? Say. <laughs> and just move on. You're kind of forced to change because of the fact that whatever happened sucked so bad. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, you never want it to happen again. Yeah, I personally do look for those opportunities. Uh, okay. If I see that happen, and in really anybody's life that I'm close to, um, and that I feel like that door is open for me to offer that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I certainly do, and I've done that for many home members. But it's like not something that we can package up in a membership and sell people. <laughs> right. It's more just yeah. kind of my own experience that I want to bring to the table for people. And I've thought about eventually offering like coaching services and stuff, but as just like just me, just like mm-hmm. you know, as a personal sort of mindset coach because I love it. Like I, I genuinely love it. I don't, I don't have. Or it's tricky for me to make time. I try not to say I don't have time for things. It's you make time for things. <laughs> but it's tricky for me right now to make time for other things besides just keeping home, moving forward, and growing, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, just refining what it is because it is such a big, big project. And, you know, there's we're building a, essentially a formula right or Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term a franchisable type model where we want to be able to go okay you want to do a a home in you know austin this is what it looks like from top to bottom you know here's how the tech works here's how the memberships work here's how the facilities work here's how the booking system work all these different things like i said we have to lean into systems because it's a lot, and it's a lot to try to create documentation around all that stuff. But it's, like, it's finite. It's mm-hmm. not infinite. Whereas, like, if you don't create that kind of stuff, then you're in this infinite rabbit hole of trying to explain things to people versus being able to send them over a video or send them over, here's an article that we wrote about it, or here's the right. deck that we put together on that, <laughs> you know? And so right. it, it it just makes a ton of sense, you know, in the long run to... to create you know a a much more just make it very very official you know working Mm -hmm. with our board of directors to to have them you know help us and and it's an insane amount of stuff to manage so it's like as much as I want to be doing the mindset coaching and I want to be doing the one-on-one stuff Mm -hmm. um, it's it's tricky it's really tricky to carve out that time Mm -hmm. but I could see that as being a part of of everything once it you know grows even more and even if it wasn't you I still think that would be a cool feature to have maybe even like group uh you know sessions here at home where it's everyone is kind of helping maybe led by mm. someone who is more yeah. a professional <laughs> yeah that's an interesting idea I guess I've always thought that talking about your really like what's going on you know is such a touchy thing Mm -hmm. where if we start to go into you know your childhood or stuff that happened when you were a teenager and you know that's that's very 
personal mm-hmm. and it's something that it's a privilege for for me to even ask those questions much less to try to prompt you to talk about that stuff on the spot with a bunch of other people you know so mm-hmm. but there is something to be said for just keeping it's like it's like a mindset check so i don't know if mm-hmm. you saw the um music creator roadmap that i put together where it's like that's like it's a there's a, a whole bunch of stuff that's like mindset check on there okay. it's like oh check your mindset you know where it's like at different milestones or different stages in your career you'll have to kind of like look for a new paradigm a new way of seeing the world or of showing up in the world mm-hmm. and that's what that's where the mindset really comes in is, is look figuring out how to shift your paradigm to where it's no longer you know Audrey the the creative or Audrey the artist but it's like um, you know Audrey the leader of her team or you know mm-hmm. Audrey the um, uh, multimedia you know artist or something like that where as you see things that naturally make sense for you to, to grow and learn and move into a new stage of your career it's like our identity has to shift with that to do it right. Mm. You know? Yeah. Which is why I always say, like, think about becoming the type of person that can do that. What does that entail? How would, what would you do if you had a team? A lot of people, they want a team. What would you do if you had a team? <laughs> oh, they would do everything for me. That's not how that works. Yeah. That's not how it works. You know, unless you want to be a part of somebody else's business. So there's the, there's the rub for the music people is that it can work that way. But you are a cog in somebody else's machine. Mm-hmm. You don't have a machine, right? You want to if you build a machine, then you have a machine, and you can replace the cogs in the machine as needed. Mm-hmm. Feed more money into the machine, get more money out of the machine. Mm-hmm. But if if all you're doing is looking for somebody to put you on, to put you on a record deal, or put you on a publishing deal, or put you on something like that you're essentially opting into saying I want to be a part of your business and I don't want to build my own business mm-hmm. because they're going to own your name image likeness they're going to own your records they might own part of your touring income that you know so it's like what happens if let's say it's a label deal and you never got developed to the point to where you have a big name say they only released a single for you and then shelf the project and they drop you what does that mean then yeah. You still don't have a business. They kept all the data. They have all your fan data. They have all the, you know, you still don't have a business. You, you know, you just opted into being part of their business for a minute. Right. And right. if that's okay for you and you consciously make that decision and you're, and you're like, man, I love this team. I feel good about this. This is a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. Go for it. I always say a good deal is a good deal. A bad deal is a bad deal. <laughs> no, you know, don't be anti-deal. I've met some people like, oh, like anti-labels anti-deals and i'm like that it doesn't make a lot of sense if it's a good deal yeah it's a good deal mm-hmm. but just be don't like go around looking for somebody else to do everything for you and solve your problems <laughs> that's not going to attract those people into your life right you know mm-hmm. it's going to attract people in your life is them going wow look at that rising star look at that person they're just like kicking butt i want to be on that team i want to be part of it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you can be that 
then you will naturally attract the people in your life that want to help you get further and, and be bigger and all that. And then that's when it comes back to the servant leadership because then you have to serve them. At, that, right. at the end of the day, if you not if you aren't looking out for your manager and looking out for your agent and let you know, and letting them know how much you appreciate them, you know, it might not work out in the long run. Mm-hmm. This is why you see so many short music careers. Right. Right. Flash in the pan, you know. Yeah, I mean everything is energy. So, if you're if you're not giving them a certain energy, you won't get it back. Right. <laughs> or a product, I guess. Taking them for granted, or, you know. Right, yeah. right. Or you're just not. You're expecting someone to, in I guess in Beyonce's case, to give you the magic key to like you know being able to suddenly sing like her, dance like her, and right. Sure, you can have coaches for that, but you have to get to a certain point before you get a coach. <laughs> yeah. Or before somebody, like, you know, before you're not paying for a coach. Right. right. To yeah. where, like, I yeah. mean, don't get me wrong, Beyonce's paying for people, but she pays on the back end for most of them probably pays on the, I can't speak to this because I know some people aren't even doing that now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some people are paying, you know, managers on salaries and stuff. So it's like, you know, that's that's the kind of, I, I like how, for you guys, I just want you to have a long, you know, career and be in, you know, in some level of control about your decision-making process mm-hmm. and about your ultimate outcome in life. Mm-hmm. Just because you end up playing, you know, an arena doesn't mean you're going to be a happy person. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's a big rub, too, you know. So many people place this importance on some kind of validation or monetary you know success and it's like nah if you're miserable and you <laughs> just have millions of dollars in the bank like yeah I don't want that for you I'd rather you you know be making 50k and just loving your life every day right mm-hmm. that'd be awesome mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. that's enough money for somebody to get by it so, is you know <laughs> yeah and so if Say someone comes to you and says that, you know, I really see me as a leader, me, uh, sorry, when I see myself as a leader, I see it in that form of, you know, playing a stadium, and that's what they truly believe is like, this is me and my best self going forward, this is the best way I see myself being a leader, um, what what advice would you give them if they're just say a homie who's just joined and maybe new to to Nashville or something like that? Yeah. Um, I'd give them a couple pieces of advice. One, you chances of you playing that kind of level without an agent on your team are pretty much nil. I've never heard of anybody being able to accomplish that unless maybe it was some random opening act or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, get real clear about you know who are the you know agents that are signing and booking the acts that are very similar to you what are the names which agencies they work for make a short list of specific people that you mm-hmm. can talk to i'm all about like reverse engineering stuff right mm-hmm. okay so when i think strategy it's like quickest way from a to b and typically that's reverse engineering the process start is they begin with the end in mind, where it's like, okay, cool, 
you know, work, work backwards from having a superstar agent on your team. Mm-hmm. What are they looking for? How are you going to serve them? If they're going to spend a whole bunch of time making you a star, what are you going to do for them, right? Ultimately, what they want is typically about 10% of your touring income. <laughs> but you have to be thinking about it in terms of just a general human relationship. These are, these are humans. Mm-hmm. In the right, in the right um, relationships, right examples, you know, these would be like lifelong type relationships where this is like your agent. Man. They're like on your team mm-hmm. for a long time. What kind of person are they? Do you respect that kind of person? Do they respect you? Mm. You know, what would make them want to work really hard for you instead of for somebody else? Mm-hmm. These types of things, right? And then, again, become that. Right. You know, if that means they never sign an artist with less than 10,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, okay, cool. There's a, there's a metric. Yeah. Metrics are great because... Again, it might be hard, but it's it's finite. Mm-hmm. You can actually figure out how to do that, assuming you you're putting out good music. Mm-hmm. So you know these are just things that, but that's just that particular, you know, path of performing because the, for pretty much the rest of the music industry, there's there's really no gatekeepers other than maybe the radio. Um, but yeah. even that's arguable. Because yeah. now you can kind of force that through streaming success. Some radio pickup stuff that's blown up on streaming. So mm-hmm. um, there's no more gatekeepers really, other than the agents. So if if you're going to be a performer, understand they are the gatekeeper, and for good reason, because their job is to get you as much money possible to show up in person and do stuff. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody like that? <laughs> Right? Yeah. So you can't replace that with like, let me hire that out. You right. Know? Like it's, they get commissioned off of getting you as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So mm-hmm. value that. You're like, oh, it's amazing. So go with the mindset that I'm going to get an agent and I'm going to help them make a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to make $10 million. Right. Right. How many shows do you need to make to play to, play to make $10 million? You know, but like mm-hmm. if you actually start getting clear about those sorts of things instead of it being this amorphous, I want to like play stadiums. Well, you and all the other random, <laughs> you know, musicians in Nashville probably want that, right? Yeah. But who has actual like clearly defined goals? Mm-hmm. The people that actually accomplish that stuff <laughs> usually. Right. Now in the music industry, it's a little different because sometimes you see this rare phenomenon where somebody's so mega talented that it's just undeniable. Mm-hmm. And but again, they end up being part of somebody else's machine. They don't end up being the machine themselves. Right. So just understand that distinction. Yeah, for sure. And I guess to separate it from music, I would say that that process could work for anything. Just the reverse engineering that oh, you're talking 100%. about. Yep. So, you know, for someone who wants to make it in, uh, say, real estate, Mm -hmm. go to, if you want to be on Selling Sunset, you Mm -hmm. know, who's the the broker at Oppenheim Group? Mm -hmm. How did he find the agents that are there now? You know, figuring it out. Super specific on your neighborhood, (laughs) right? And what, what, okay, what price range do I want to be selling houses in? Mm Mm-hmm. 
where are those houses at? Right. You get to know that area super, super well. So it's like, it's always just kind of back, you know, just reversing in, in, reverse engineering and working backwards from your ultimate goals. Mm-hmm. The problem is that people just don't really spend a lot of time thinking through their goals and what they want to accomplish. It's just blurry. It's all mm-hmm. very blurry for most people where they, oh, man, I would like to be rich someday. Well, what does that <laughs> even mean to you? Right. Why? Why do you want to be rich? What are you going to do with your money? You yeah. Should I have it in the bank? What do you like? That's gonna make you feel good, you know. Like all these things that people have no, like they haven't done the the internal work enough to get down to what their core values are and why they want what they want out of their life, what they really, really want out of life. And then, as Napoleon Hill says, "What are you willing to do for it?" So it's a two two part equation. What do you really want out of life? What are you willing to do for it? Because mm-hmm. you can't think through what do you want out of life and then just leave the other part out. If you're not willing to make sacrifices and really, really be like an extraordinary person, how are you going to achieve extraordinary things? Right. Right. Yeah, it's all an exchange. Mm -hmm. But on that note, what are some goals that you have for either yourself or for home that, you know, you're... What are you visualizing and being specific yeah, on right now? Yeah. <laughs> cool. So I actually just um, went through that. We were training a couple of people and new people that are joining the team. Oh, so cool. I went through that this afternoon. So all that stuff's super fresh on my head. Um, I would say in the near term, which means about a year, we're really just focusing in on this um, elite artist and producer relationship and, and figuring out if we can, or not if, but how we can essentially own that dynamic and what I mean by own it is like we feel like with home we are shifting to this point of going okay we're unique in a lot of ways but one of the most compelling ways is that we sit in this beautiful nurturing relationship between producers and artists and if we start to think about the producers as part of the artist development team then the whole dynamic with home shifts and that's the the thinking that we started getting into during the pandemic and it's going to be something that we push more and more on uh, over the course of the next years we're um, working to rebuild and go back on the offense versus just being in defensive mode for so long where it's just like yeah holy crap what's what's going to happen next and you know is it are we going to fail or you know is it going to keep going mm-hmm. so now it definitely feels like it's uh, really going to keep, you know, going in the right direction. Um, so we're making plans to, you know, I guess it's kind of a rebrand, but it's like repositioning ourselves in the market. You know, we're okay. going to keep doing a lot of the same stuff that we we're doing, but we really, really want to shine at matching producers with artists and then giving them this, this nurturing environment, mm-hmm. right? And just seeing what happens with all of that. Yeah. So that's near-term goals. Um, then we're going to be working on essentially tying together a uh, studio network to where as this facility gets more and more crowded or, or as the hours get booked up on, on our different studios and stuff, then we'll be able to tap other studios, okay. pre-existing studios, and, and help fill up some of the empty hours on their calendars as well. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. And so that's kind of, you know, phase two, if you will, of like expanding. And then the five-year goal would be like to actually have a, a, an official facility probably in at least one other city, if not two other cities, um, mm-hmm. where we are, you know, doing it all over again, so to speak, but with all the knowledge that we've learned in the process. Mm-hmm. And then t- the the bigger, like, you know, 10-year kind of goals are really about um, making the educational component of what we're doing more official and just building that out steadily to where it almost becomes like an institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and having it to where people can, you know, join a cohort like a you know a semester of homeschool kind of thing we don't necessarily mm-hmm. want to be an actual school like a university yeah but we do kind of want to be a school right mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so it, it hinges around that or focuses on that and then um, the more official parts of being a business incubator where you're essentially connecting projects with seed capital seed funding so um, once an artist has developed at a certain level, having a mechanism where they can get their first $50,000 loan or something like that or get oh, somebody okay. to invest in their project. Same thing with a producer or a music industry professional. But uh, making all the different stages of development so kind of official and, and tracking the progress of the members through the development of their careers until we have a sort of formula that we can lean on and we can take to you know investors and and um, capitalists venture capitalists stuff like that and, and mm-hmm. be able to you know have people take equity in certain projects or you know now with what's going on with crypto you can you know tokenize everything and sell it off uh, to investors and stuff like that where it's there I don't see in you know five or ten years why, why there would be any excuse for a, a mega talented uh, artist or, or creative with you know at least the start of a, of a good team around them mm-hmm. uh, why would it be hard for them to get the amount of money that they need to to fund their, their projects and their career mm-hmm. so, you know, if i can be a conduit for like the vision that's what i'm trying to do you know right right yeah it, it does take a village you're right mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can say this, it's been very helpful for me to hear what you have to say about leadership because I'm always trying to grow uh, as a leader myself and as an artist, and I, I'm sure that whoever listens to this will get the same out of it. Awesome. And uh, yeah. I hope so. Mm-hmm. I think so. I know so. Awesome. <laughs> well, do you have any last uh, words of advice, comments? fun quote before we wrap up <laughs> um yeah i would just say you know believe in yourself that's yeah. that's the hardest thing to do is to get all the the fear out of the way the mm-hmm. fear and it can be the fear of failure it can a lot of times be the fear of being great being what you know you can really be because mm. once you kind of step into that there's no going back right you have an inherent like understanding of that and so you know lean into it is what I would say like it's an amazing journey to find 
this sense of purpose that will allow you to achieve things that you never knew you could and it's inside of everybody hundred percent convinced that everybody has that inside of them it's just whether or not they're sort of watering that seed and you know mm-hmm. side note read a lot of books like okay. especially like nonfiction books where if you just trust that the answers are out there mm-hmm. and maybe it's podcasts and, and YouTube videos and stuff these days too um, right. but the answers are out there and it's amazing once you get in this like just habit of constantly learning mm-hmm. how you'll just have these breakthroughs where you come soaking up all these different ideas and all of a sudden it'll go bam right wow that's that's what I'm doing and mm-hmm. so you know that say inputs and outputs basically like you, you're you know, if you want your outputs to be like massive success, it's like what inputs are you putting in to mm. bring about those outputs? If you're just, you know, scrolling social media all the time and you know, watching like mindless television and and you know, not putting yourself around people who have big goals and big dreams, chances of you, you know, have like succeeding on some big level are not very good. Mm-hmm. Because your inputs are wrong. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so lean into the good ones. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Put yourself around good people. Yeah. Fill yourself up, yourself up with, with good knowledge. and um, Morning practice. That will be my final one. Oh, yeah. That's the trick. Mm-hmm. There's like one real magic trick that I can offer to people. Spend at least an hour every morning before you open your phone or your social media or anything before you check in with your emails, before you answer any texts, before you have any outside, you know, pulls on your attention, you know, do it, do whatever it takes to make yourself feel amazing in the morning and feel powerful and feel um, happy, mm-hmm. and positive. And start sense. every day like that. Yeah. That does. Whether that's meditation or yoga, working out. Some people sit in a hot tub in the morning. I've talked to a lot of people that have all kinds of different morning routines, but most of the people that I know that are really crushing it have a, like a solid morning routine. Mm-hmm. Or they have a, a ritual every morning that they do. Yeah. It's magic. It is. I, I can definitely testify to that. Well, and that's all out there too. All different morning routines yeah. to try. So 100%. all the answers are there. Right. Mm-hmm. Go try them and and lean into it for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Logan, for joining us on right. this episode of Up Next with AJ. Cool. We'll see you Thank around. You. Yeah. Right. Thanks. <laughs> Hopefully, my phone got all that.